Welcome to another episode of Life Stories by Congo Kid, where I share my experiences of growing up in the Democratic Republic of Congo in Central Africa. My hope is you find knowledge, entertainment, information, and insight of another culture and a new perspective of the Congolese people and Africa. The Ubangi Academy started in 1948 to provide schooling for children of missionaries working in the then Belgian Congo in the Ubangi region located in the northwest corner of the country. The school only had a few students and was based at the Karawa Mission Station, though several years it was moved to two different stations, Tandala and Kala, for various reasons. They'd meet in storerooms or in a home. In the early 1950s, the two mission boards that were working together in the area decided it was time to build a school and then a dormitory at Karawa. The first school room was built, followed by others in the early 1950s. The dormitory was built and completed in 1956. My tenure attending the Ubangi Academy, or UBOC for short, was from 1970 to 1980. Though I should mention I was there also as a resident, not a student, in 1965 when my folks were the dorm parents. There was a school building on the campus along with a tennis court, basketball court, and a couple soccer fields. The dorm building was 230 feet long, consisted of two halls with eight rooms in one hall and nine rooms in the other. One was for the boys and one was for the girls. Each hall had a bathroom and the halls were bookended with a mini apartment of sorts, a larger bedroom, a living area, and a bathroom. The middle of the building hosted the dining and living area and a kitchen. There was a larger living apartment for the dorm parents in one hall. The view from the front porch was spectacular, overlooking a valley to another hill about four miles away. Most rainstorms came from the east, and one could watch them advance down the hill into the valley and up the hill to where our dormitory was. At its peak, there were over 50 students, grade 2 through 12, but usually there were around 40 to 45 students attending. The school year was divided into four terms of 8 to 10 weeks each, so kids were away from their parents for long periods of time. There was hired help for landscaping, house cleaning, cooking, and laundry. A set of dorm parents were in charge and were helped by another young adult known as a dorm helper. Feeding, managing, doing laundry, and controlling 40-plus kids was a tough job, and only a few folks had the wherewithal to take on the dorm parent role. Bob and Ruth Peterson were the main dorm parents during my tenure, but Marvin Fernwickstrom and Byron and Bibbs Seashore also filled in for several years. The teachers at UBOC expected excellence and structured the school year and dorm lifestyle to promote academic achievement. We used a Minnesota school curriculum. Studying and doing homework provided a great pre-college program and numerous National Merit Scholars graduated from UBOC. I was a slightly above average student at the time and recall returning to the U.S. on furlough and acing all my classes. But the dorm life is what most attendees remember. It was very structured. It had to be as keeping that many kids from grades 2 through 12 in line and in step was paramount. Kids came from different families, were different ages, and all had different personalities. It is where we developed our second family since we were away from our nuclear family. One thing that helped keep the order was a bell. It was mounted outside the kitchen on the porch where the dishes were washed and dried. Since there was minimal mechanical or ambient noise in Congo, the bell could be heard throughout the entire property. It signaled the time and what was next on the daily agenda. 
So this episode is to take the listener through a typical day at the Ubangi Academy. I've asked one of my former roommates from 1970, that would be 50 years ago, to join me and help recount a typical day at the Ubangi Academy dorm. So welcome, Roger Wickstrom. I cannot believe that it's been 50 years since you and I were roommates in 1970, if you can believe that. I know. So how many years were you in Congo, and then how many years did you spend at UBOC? Total of 17 years from uh, 61 until about 78. So 17 years, uh, three and a half or so years back here in the States with the rotation itineration that uh, family would do. As far as uh, school at UBOC, it ended up being about eight years total. Started in third grade, then my last year was my junior year of high school and uh, ended up graduating here in the States. What are you doing now and where do you live? I'm settled here in San Francisco, a little over 32 years, which is pretty incredible. And living and working, my wife and I, we've got a place we're renting, both working, and we very much enjoy San Francisco, have a great little community here. So So let's start off a typical day at the Ubangi Academy. And the first bell would ring at 6 a.m., People need to realize that living on the equator, which is approximately where we were in Congo, sunup was around 5.30, 5.45, and yeah. it would vary maybe 15 minutes, and sunset was 5.30, quarter to 6. So right. 6 a.m. was the wake up, and everybody would roll out of the sack when the bell rang, get dressed, and they would always have a little snack with maybe banana bread. So did you love or hate the 6 o'clock bell? Good question. I think it was... Uh... Sometimes I didn't mind it so much. You know, I think it would, you know, during the school week, um, you know, it was like, ah, didn't want to, didn't like it so much during the weekend. I think it was exciting to get up and especially on Saturdays. So a little bit of both. Yeah, I was, and actually I do remember, you know, as, as it got older in the high school years, I mean, I think it was a lot of us would get up earlier than the bell. So we'd get up at like five, five fifteen and have our uh, quiet time, our devotion time. And I remember it was, a, uh, it was a special time just to get up and have the early morning air and watch uh, sunrise and uh, just have some alone time. Yeah, I remember that as I got older as well, getting up at 5, 5.30 and I had a little log I'd sit at by the basketball court and right. every morning in the east we had the sunrise, it was gorgeous. Yeah. So yeah. the bell rang again at 6.30 and that meant the start of school for the right. school day. And the school was only about 30 yards away from the end of the dorm. So that wasn't that big a deal. And school went for about an hour and a half. At eight o'clock, it rang again. And that meant breakfast. Yep. After breakfast, we would all go and have to do certain chores. Some people would do the dishes. And there was a rotation every four to five days where you were on a team to uh, wash and dry and put away the dishes. I have a little factoid for you. Do you remember who the fastest silverware dryer in the history of the Ubangi Academy was? I always thought Tim Wester was the fastest at everything, but... uh. He was fast. He was fast. But my memory, uh, just to bring a little family into this, uh, your brother Craig, I always thought was the fastest because he would grab a fork, wrap the dish towel around it, and then push the end against his stomach 
So this fork would slide out from the towel onto the tray and he would grab another one and repeat, repeat, repeat. Right. And I always remember Craig, your brother being a super fast silverware dryer yeah. uh, for some reason. Besides the dishes, if you were on the dish team, you had to clean your room. And that meant sweeping the floor, hanging your towel, making your bed, putting away your laundry, organizing your closet, emptying your wastebasket, et cetera. Yep. And the reason was, is the dorm helper would come around every day after we went back to class at nine o'clock and inspect our room to make sure it was up to standard. And you are a very, very clean, organized and tidy guy. And so I want to thank you for helping me be a clean and organized guy. And if you recall the semester that you and I were roommates in 1970, yep. we actually won the prize for having the cleanest room with the least amount of demerits or marks against it. Right. Can you recall the prize that we won that year in 1970? Oh, yeah. That was the best prize ever, man. We got to get up like, oh, dark 30 and uh, head out to the uh, local uh, cattle ranch run by the uh, Catholic priest and um, help, uh, well, quote unquote, help shoot a cow and bring it home. Exactly. We would get up about four o'clock and the Catholic missions were very organized in terms of being self-sufficient. And one named Bosasa, they had cattle that they raised and would sell to make the property self-sufficient. And uh, we got to go watch them pick one out, plug it right between the eyes. Yep. And we got to ride in the back of a truck with a dead cow in the bed of a pickup truck. So that was yeah. big time fun, and uh, we can talk about butchering it and grinding it up for hamburger later. Right, but you know what I do remember too, Jeff? I remember we had liver and onions and baked big slices of baked bread out, of, out with the Catholic priest for breakfast out there. I don't remember that. I don't yeah, remember that. memory right. stuck. That was uh, almost 50 years ago, if you can yeah. believe it. So the bell would ring again at 9 o'clock, and that meant it was time to go back to school. And classes went for about three more hours and the bell would ring again at 12. And at 12, it was time for lunch. And then similar to after lunch, the same team who was relegated to washing and drying and put away the dishes, they would do so uh, from about 1230 until one. At one o'clock, the bell rang again. And in many tropical countries and in Africa especially, that was the mark for siesta. Yep. And as a little kid, I hated it. Uh, we had to be in our room. We had to be quiet. We had to be resting. And mainly the, the concept in the, in the culture was due to the heat, that was the hottest part of the day. It was sort of a time just to get out of the heat and recharge. Yeah. However, as a high schooler, I remember enjoying siestas because it gave me a chance to study and prepare for a test. And then I'd always squeeze in a little bit of a nap right before two o'clock when the bell rang again. So I don't know if you kind of went through the same phase where you hated it as a kid and then enjoyed it later when you were in high school or not. Oh, yeah, I think it was exactly the same for me, Jeff. And I just remember, you know, on, especially during the dry season, really hot, you know, you try to sleep a little bit and you just wake up, you know, just soaked and, <laughs> and then groggy trying to get down to class. Yeah, exactly. So at two o'clock, the bell rang again, ending the siesta hour, and it was back to class again for the last segment of the day. And we would endure that, and at 3.30, the bell rang 
ending school, and that meant one thing, freedom. Freedom. And we got to play. We had a couple hours free, and almost every day we played soccer. That was always a lot of fun. Depending on the PE class that we had, we got relegated to basketball for a semester or softball for a semester, football or whatever, but we always reverted back to soccer. So what do you remember about your afternoon activities and what were some of your fondest memories of that? Yeah, I remember, yeah, there was, we had, uh, along with soccer, I think, I remember playing some um, kickball sometimes and we'd even play, uh, especially when it was a smaller kid, we'd play these other games like Pom Pom Pull Away and sometimes just, just walk around, hang out and sit on the, on the fireplace out in front of the dorm. So it was, uh, it was, it was nice. I mean, uh, and then also the day slowly started to get a little cooler, which was nice heading on toward evening time. Exactly. And I remember as we were older in high school, a lot of times Friday afternoons, we would play volleyball with the boys and the girls. And that was always fun. Yeah. 5.30, the bell rang again. Supper time. Yep. And then it was time to do dishes. Again, if you're on the team, this is your last rotation for three or four days until you have to do it again. The other team that you were on was the laundry team. And as you can imagine, with 40 to 50 kids, there's a lot of laundry being washed three times a week just to keep up. And what they would do is they would bring all the laundry down into the boys' hall or the women's hall, and they would leave all the laundry piled up on this big giant box that had little cubby holes, and they would sort the laundry so everybody got their laundry properly. And so can you share a little bit how everybody kept track of whose pants and shirts and socks and underwear belonged to whom? Everyone had to have their laundry, every piece of laundry numbered. So I can imagine my mom going through every, <laughs> every item and, and putting numbers on them. And those numbers are uh, drilled into my memory. Uh, uh, my own, my family's, a fair number of, of others too. So what was your number? 23, 23. I was 40. And uh, I still have a shirt in the bottom of one of my drawers that says nope. 40 on it. Are you serious? I think I do. But my mom did the same thing. She had little labels with the number 40 on it. And yep. she would sew those onto the back of my t-shirts or socks uh -huh. or whatever. Yep. So, so we'd finish dinner. The dish crew is finishing up the dishes. The laundry crew is putting the laundry away. It was time to take showers. And that was always an adventure because we had to get hot water from a fire that was probably 40 or 50 yards away. And they would bring it over, climb up a ladder and dump hot water into a half barrel yep. and gravity fed into our showers. And I remember the funnest thing we used to do would we would yell to the night watchman when we start running out of hot water and we would have to yell out there our watchman. And one of the, the night watchmen, his name was Tuzu, and he was a very, very funny, funny guy. Didn't speak Lingala very well, so we'd always go, Tuzu Motedoli, which if you translate that into Mbaka, the local tribal language, was Tuzu, bring us water. Yeah. And so both the girls would have to yell for water, and the guys would yell for water, and he'd be carrying these buckets across the field to bring us water and climb up yeah. and dump it in the barrel, and that way we could have a hot shower. But yeah. If you rushed through everything, the other 
activity I always enjoyed after dinner was sitting out by the fire with the night watchman and anybody else who happened to be there and just telling stories, chatting with the Africans and recounting hunting trips and whatnot. Do you remember ever doing something like that? You know, I don't know if I ever did that myself. I do remember getting out there every once in a while, though, we'd uh, throw breadfruit into the, uh, the coals and let it bake and that kind of a thing, though. Yeah. So the bell would ring at 7 o'clock. Everybody's clean. Everybody's washed up. The little kids, they would be in their pajamas. And we would all meet as the, the entire school, all the dorm kids, would meet for devotions with the yep. dorm parent from 7 until 7.30. 7.30, the kids would go to bed. That would be second grade through sixth grade. And the junior high and high school, we would always relegate ourselves to either the, one of the classrooms or to our own dorm rooms to do studying for homework, studying for tests, and that sort of thing. Eight o'clock, the bell would not ring, but the junior high then were relegated to hit the sack. And at nine o'clock, again, it was time now for everybody to start heading to bed. The bell didn't ring at that point, but everybody knew it was time to go. By 9.15, the light plant was turned off. As you recall, we had a light plant diesel generator that ran from about 5.15 or so until about 9.15. Yeah. So we did have electricity at night. And we would often have to use candles, lanterns, uh, or little Bunsen burners that we made out of cans and a piece of cloth and diesel right. to have light. And we would then study or read or, or whatever. But 9.30 lights were out across the board. Yep. So that was a typical school day at the Ubangi Academy. Roger, what was another thing we used to do on Friday nights? Friday nights were like the best night of the week because we got to go out and play games outside. I don't think we had devotions on Friday night. No. So um, we could do that. And when I was a little kid, you could stay up till what was it, eight o'clock maybe instead of seven thirty. Yeah, and it was just like beyond awesome. Plus, you got to play with the high schoolers when a lot of times you didn't get to play games with them at all because they were so busy with their school life. So it was really cool. I remember that we'd play capture the flag. Yep. We'd play all sorts of great games at night, running around. It was also sort of the unofficial date night. And so if you happen to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you had to actually get permission from the dorm parents, tell them where you were going. Right. And then you had an hour to spend some alone time with your favorite honey. Once the week was over, Saturdays were a little bit different. The bell did ring, but it only rang for meals. And so Saturday was a little bit better because you got to sleep in a little bit. but everybody had to do a chore. And what were your recollections as a little kid? Uh, what was the chore that all the little kids had to perform every Saturday morning? Oh man, it was, it was consistent through the years. It was always shelling a cup of peanuts and that's a soup can, Campbell soup can, had to get up to the top and it had to be all shelled. No, you didn't have any shells in it. Exactly. And again, it was always hard to do because unlike American peanuts that are fertilized and pumped full of hormones and big and plump, these were weak, 
small dinky little peanuts and they were broken off. And so for a little kid, it took a long time to shell a can of peanuts. That way we had plenty of peanuts for making peanut butter because that had to be homemade. The high schoolers got to do other projects and that included washing the truck, mowing, maybe helping build something, some light construction jobs. Any particular chores that you remember uh, getting to do or having to do on your Saturday to fulfill your obligation as a dorm student? Well, yeah, I think some of those chores, and I remember another one was uh, filling the kerosene refrigerator with uh, more kerosene. That was one that jumped to mind. They kept us busy. A little bit of carpentry, like you say. Uh, I always remember, though, too, Jeff, back to the little kids I'm walking by and seeing some of the little kids. They would take hours to shell a can. I mean, like, I don't know, for some reason. Attention, attention. The name of the guilty party has been removed. Comes to mind. Yes, I remember. You know, you'd <laughs> spent the whole morning uh, out there. <laughs> you'd be out there till noon, you know, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I remember that. But then on Saturday afternoon, after our chores were completed and the property was looking good and we had plenty of peanuts for peanut butter, oftentimes we would get a special treat and get to drive to Lake Quada. The lake was about 12 miles away. It was a place to swim. They had a sandy beach. They had a little tower about five or six feet out of the water that you could climb up on a ladder, jump off and do cannonballs and dive and whatever. And they also had a huge tree right by the bank that had a rope on it. So you could swing over from the hill, drop into the water. And it was just a lot of fun, about 45 minutes away. And that was always something we looked forward to as a child because you got to cool off, you got to play, and you got to get out of, out of town. Yeah, I remember too, Jeff, there was another tree. You had to walk a little ways to it. We called it Dino because it branched out or it had fallen kind of, it was still alive, but it had this uh, sort of like a backbone rib and you'd crawl out on it and jump off of that one too. That was, that was a really cool tree to enjoy. Yes, that was uh, about halfway to the state house and yeah. the, it, the trunk leaned out way over the, the water and then you'd go out and then you'd climb up the branches and you'd probably get about a 15 foot drop. Yeah. So that yeah. was always an adrenaline rush. Sundays, a little bit different. We always would get up for breakfast, of course, with the bell, and everybody would get dressed and go down to the local African church at the Carroll Mission Station and participate with the African church services, which were very long, a lot of choirs, long sermons, hot, but that's what we did. And then Sunday afternoon, after the bell rang for lunch, and we had a yet another siesta, uh, we would often just have a few hours to play some soccer, study, hang out. And oftentimes the adult men uh, on the Carowa Mission Station, they would come down and play basketball with us if we were in high school. So I don't remember if you played much basketball with the men, but that was always a Sunday afternoon activity. Yeah. So I never got into the basketball for some reason. I don't know. I missed it or whatever. I just remember, you know, when we did play basketball up there, if you had bata shoes, you would go through on the cement court, you would go through the soles in like one game. It was yes. crazy. Yeah, it was rough on your shoes. The bell would ring again around five and we would go in for dinner. And after dinner, it was showers again. And then everybody would get dressed up because Sunday night at seven o'clock at the dormitory, all the missionaries that were on the Carowa station, and that could be probably 50 people, 40 people uh, yeah. with 
families and spouses and kids. And we would all meet and have an English church service. And the adult men on the mission station would rotate every Sunday night and different person would take the sermon. Eileen Thorpe played the piano and we would have about an hour, hour and a half service with the fellow missionaries, which was often very nice. After that, again, time for bed. And then again, on Monday morning, it started all over again at 6 a.m. with the bell. So that is a typical day of of a school day and a typical recap of how a Saturday and Sunday went at the Ubangi Academy. Before we sign off, just wanted to see, did you have any other memories that have come to mind since we started chatting this afternoon? Pretty much everyone took part in band and in choir. And then there were always the play, the high, especially the high school play productions. And it was a big deal to put those all together. The evenings as things uh, came along toward, uh, I don't know, what did we have? The Christmas concerts. And then you had like a spring concert. And, and that's when they had the big play. That was always, always very much looked forward to, I know, I remember. And it just also fed more into keeping us going keeping us busy because that was a key thing. I do remember any downtimes you could pretty easily get a little lonely to, uh, to see your folks when you're out, like you, like you said earlier, eight to 10 weeks at a time, never seeing your folks. So it was good to keep us going, good to keep us busy and just taking part of the whole community aspect of it all. Exactly. Well, Roger, thanks again. My, uh, my roommate from 1970, we won the prize for the cleanest room, got to go watch him shoot a cow and ride back in the back of a truck with it. But it's been fun to just walk through some of those day-to-day memories of growing up for all those years. And just wanted to say thanks again for coming on. Oh, you're more than welcome, Jeff. And it's a great little project you got going here. So that lays out a typical day at UBOC for all the years I grew up very structured, but it was necessary and it was for our own good. And many of the habits of living in a dorm setting have stuck with me my entire life. Thanks again to my roomie from 1970, Roger Wickstrom, for coming on to help recount and reminisce a typical day at the Ubangi Academy. Ubok continued on after I left, hosting my youngest brother, among others. Then in September 1991, all the missionaries evacuated to civil unrest. It reopened in August of 1992. However, in 1997, the month of January, the Civil War erupted and the school closed with the missionaries and their kids evacuating to Central African Republic and Cameroon. The kids attended the Rainforest International School and the UBOC students were housed in one location while attending the school. Soldiers took over the UBOC property during the Civil War period and when the war was over, it became a school again, but this time for Congolese students. I visited UBOC in 2013 and spent a good part of an entire day on the campus. Besides the classrooms, the dormitory was also being used by several elementary schools. They separated classrooms in the former dining and living areas with plywood and tarps. Over 500 students were being taught on the old campus in 2013. The former bedrooms down each hall were vacant. The dormitory building was long in the tooth due to the lack of maintenance and age. To recap, UBOC was formed in 1948 with the campus built in 1956 and served as its purpose to help raise and teach missionary students grades 2 through 12 until 1997. Now, in 2020, the Congolese Covenant Church is running a medical training school and the dormitory building has been rehabbed and re-roofed with plans to eventually board students. 
It's wonderful to see that the Ubangi Academy legacy will continue its second life, only now to serve as housing and schooling for the Congolese people, the ones the missionaries came to serve in the first place. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and will join me again. Other episodes and blog articles on a variety of topics can be found at congokid.net. In addition, Life Stories by Congo Kid Podcasts can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I'm Jeff Eels, a.k.a. Congo Kid, your humble host. Until next time, I send you off with a farewell in Lingala. Paninga nangai, tikala malamu. My friends, stay well. <laughs>